0: Dang, this is exciting. Can you hear me? Yeah, I think you can hear me. Man, it is nice to be here, to be back, to see you all in this room. We've wanted at this room for a long time, and so this is uh, yeah. exciting to finally be here. Oh. Enjoy it for a second. Well, sweet. Did you have a good MLK day? Yeah? Yeah? yeah, fun. yeah. Pretty good. Max is very excited. That's that's, it was a good frozen weekend for everyone. Pretty cold. Like the snow. Snow was good. Anybody watch the heartbreaking game Saturday where WVU lost? Yeah. One point. Comeback. Yeah, that, that really did hurt. Uh, sure, man. Sure. <laughs> no, yeah. But hey, we're still what? Number six of the nation, so we only moved back four spots? Man, we are so good. Basketball team for people who, are, this is sports, you know, it's, it has to do with the bat basketball. It's a leather ball that people put into a hoop, you know, you just go and dribble around, you know. That's how you know someone can't play basketball when they dribble like that. Uh, I grew up playing basketball. I really like basketball. I grew up playing basketball in a place called Houston, Texas. It's a very small city down in Texas, about 6 million people about three times the size, population-wise, of West Virginia, and I, so I was really good at basketball, but I was also, like, obsessed with basketball, did anybody play a sport growing up, like, okay, some people played sports, who was, who was a person where you played a sport, but you didn't really try hard, you were just like, oh, look, a ball, you know, and, like, that, that was, that was your sports experience. That's how Nate was with baseball. Okay, who was like obsessed with their sport where you were trying to be the best ever of all time in high school or middle school? Okay, then that that's what I was like. I was a try hard. I was trying to be the best, but I had like an arch nemesis. He didn't see me as an arch nemesis because he was just really good, but I saw him as an arch nemesis. His name was Chris. He went to the same school as me. He played the same position. And it did not matter what I did. I could not beat this guy. I could not overtake him. He was so good. He, he was like this skater dude. He was a tall, skinny kid. And he just, I mean, he looked like when he woke up in the morning, I mean, he looked like he woke up in the morning and just showed up to school. He came to school in house shoes every day. He looked like he was tired all the time. But when he stepped onto the basketball court, he was a freak. He was, oh, man, that dude was dirty. I mean, he was just an assassin. His shot, his his handles, the passes, he was amazing. It didn't matter how good I got either. And when I say I was obsessed, I was really obsessed. I would wake up early to go practice at the nearby gym before I went to school. I was lifting weights in season and out of season, protein way before it was cool. I was like, I would set up cones in the gym and dribble through them. And like my friends are like, hey, man, you want to go shoot around? And then they'd walk into the gym and I'm doing drills when they show up. Like I was just so obsessed because I wanted to be the best. I had to overtake Chris because for me... The reason I mattered in the world was because of how good I was at basketball. That was what made me feel valuable. When I walked into the room, I mattered because of what I did in basketball. Yeah, school was like, you know, it's whatever, you know, I went to church, it's whatever, you know. Everything else, I was like, whatever. But basketball, that's where I got my identity. But I could not beat Chris. I couldn't. It didn't matter what I did. I make varsity in 10th grade. Look, he's number, he gets, he, then he gets crowned number one player in the city, which was a big deal because Houston's a big school or a, a big city. And then it didn't matter if I got, I got picked up by a really good AAU team. He goes and just does something better. It did not matter what I did. You know, the funniest thing is when I felt like I was just about to beat him and overtake him, when I felt like I had worked my butt off to finally beat Chris – he quit basketball. He quit. He was like, I don't even need this. I'm going to go skate some more. He really did say that. He was like, yeah, I don't need this. This is, this is just a game. I just do it to have fun. And then now he's an actor. Now it's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. I don't care that he's an actor. That's, that's, that's great. I'm happy for him. But I couldn't beat him then. And I hated him because I needed basketball to justify why I mattered in life. So tonight, we're going to talk about a thing called identity. Anybody familiar with that word? I think a lot of people are. It's a word that goes deep into basically all of our lives. It matters a lot. It matters a lot in our culture. It matters a lot whether you're a Christian or whether you're not a Christian. It doesn't matter if you're seeking God or if you don't know what you think about God or if God is everything to you. Identity is huge it's huge. It's huge if you're in the church. It's huge if you're not in the church. It's everywhere. And we'll, we'll talk about it some more, and you'll see what I'm talking about then. But identity, identity is a very hard word to define. Uh, the best definition I could get, which isn't the greatest, but it is, well, it, it'll do for tonight. It's a sure sense of self-understanding. It's a stable self-regard. It's what you feel is the most important thing about you. What you look to affirm yourself. Like, this is why I matter in the world. For me, in high school, it was basketball. That was why I mattered. But if I was talking to Katie, Katie would say that she'd be like, oh, yeah. For me, I would think that it would be band because she was really good at clarinet. And she was just first chair for most of her time at, at, at the school that she was at, which was really good. at. They were really good at band. But she would tell you, no, no, no. She didn't even care about it that 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 much she would say her identity was in how bad or really how good she was how many bad things she didn't do it was religion it was if she felt like she was a pretty good person that's why she felt like she mattered what is that thing in your life where you're like this is why i matter in the world I think before I really go any further into this I think the best thing we should do is to say what the best example of identity is what the best picture of identity is and that's Jesus Jesus in the Bible is the is the perfect example of identity everyone identity matters to everyone it even mattered to him why does it matter to everyone because we all need affirmation we all need recognition and we all need love. And these are the, th- these are the things that, that kind of make up our identity. If you don't feel love, if you don't feel affirmation, if you don't feel recognized by someone that you respect, you won't respect yourself. And so we see in Matthew chapter three, verses 16 through 17, it says, "As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went out of the water, and at the moment and at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the spirit of God descending on him like a dove and alighting him. And a voice came from heaven and said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. This is my son. He's recognized by God whom I love. God shows him. God tells him that he loves him. And with him, I am well pleased. He's affirmed. We all need these things. Even he needed these things. This is right before he starts really doing anything that we know that he did. This is at the beginning of his, like, what you could say, ministry. All the stuff that's written about him, this is the beginning of the story. Before he did anything, he got, he got this approval, this recognition, this affirmation, this love was shown to him by God. And it was from there that he did everything else. And one of the coolest pictures to me regarding identity in action, a right identity, is right before, the day before he dies on the cross, the day before, this is what happened. He's eating a meal with his friends, with his disciples that Katie just talked about. He's eating a meal with them, and no one had washed. So basically, when when you ate a meal back then, you didn't like y'all don't sit at a table, and then your feet are under the table, you know, far from the food. You kind of, like, kind of lay there, you know, you know, like, kind of like a, kind of that kind of motion, and so with that, though, you think about it, if you're right here, and then somebody's, everybody's going around like that, you're right next to someone's feet, so it's, like, a big deal to have clean feet, but everybody wears sandals, and so you know their feet stank. So they had to, they, they had to wash their feet. That was, that was what was normal. But at this meal, no one had washed their feet yet. And so Jesus, it says this is what he did. It said that Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was, was, was returning to God. He already knew who he was. He already knew why he mattered. He already knew why he was important. And it said, because he knew this, it said he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that, he poured oil into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. That's what a slave did back then. If you were a slave, that's what you did. He he went and changed his clothing so that he appeared like a slave and then went and served everyone there because he knew who he was. He didn't have an identity that could be taken away from him depending on what he did or didn't do. So he was okay serving and being seen as a servant because that didn't it didn't mess with his identity. That sounds great and everything. That's cool. Thanks Jesus. But that's not typically what we see today. We don't see that in our culture. I'm going to try to point out to us what identity looks like in our culture today. And I hope that this is as illuminating for you as it was to me as I kind of studied this. I'll pray, and then we'll go further. Hey, Timmy. Father God, I have just missed so many things regarding identity for much of my life. And this has been a struggle for me for years. And I see that it is a struggle for many of us, Lord God. Would you open our eyes to the ways that maybe we have put our identity in something that is not you. And I pray, Lord God, that you, you, Lord God, would be the thing that we put our hope behind as to why we matter in this world. That we would put you at the top of the deck, you could say. Help us to see this. Help us to see why it matters. Holy Spirit, speak this to us and speak through me. Help me to be clear. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Every culture has an approach to identity. Every culture, everyone. Eastern culture, Western culture, even religion. They all have an approach to identity. And I'm going to try to point out the three different ways that they, the three different kinds of identity that we see and why it's wrong. And then we'll try to make clear what we should be doing. Hope it makes sense. First, we got a traditional culture. Anybody grow up not in America? Anyone? Anyone? Okay, we got a couple of hands. Anybody over here? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, bro? Yes? Okay, okay, we got three hands. In Eastern, traditional, or in ancient cultures, what you see when it comes to identity forming Your identity is formed in how you serve your family. If you serve your family well, or if you, uh, specifically, if you sacrifice yourself for the community and put the community or your family's desires above your own, that's why you would feel like you would matter. And if you reject what your family wants, then you're probably going to hate yourself. Did anybody see the movie Coco? Came out a few weeks ago. Coco, Coco, any, any Coco fans? I went to go take Zoe, my wonderful daughter. She was just here. She's not here anymore. Zoe, are you still here? No? No? No, Zoe. Well, we went to go see Coco. Coco was really fun. Anybody? You liked it? No? You know what I'm talking about? I think I have a picture of Coco up there. There we go. Coco? Some of y'all looking at me like I'm crazy? Yes, it was really good. But if you see this movie... That, I, that approach to identity is all over the movie. This kid wants to be a musician, but his family, he comes from a family of cobblers. So, oh, they make shoes. Shoemakers. They want him to sacrifice his own talent, his own ability all that he values in regards to music, and they want him to sacrifice that, put that away. They smash his guitar, and they say, look, become a shoemaker like the rest of us. And he's like, I don't want to do that. I want to go and find my own destiny. And they're like, no, no, forget that. You're a shoemaker. You came from our family. This is what we all do. This is what we've always done. If you matter, then you'll sacrifice what you love for the community, for your family. Now that... That kind of makes us cringe because that's not typically what you see in our culture. In our culture, modern Western culture, not modern because it's better, it's just what it's called. Our approach to identity is forget what your family says, forget what anybody says, you go and do you. And you figure out what you like, your own dreams, and when you achieve that, then you can be proud of who you are. Some of y'all are looking at me like, oh, kind of. I kind of see that. Let's just, let's just take another Disney movie. A Little Mermaid. Blue. Thank you. That's a proper response to A Little Mermaid. I'm not a Little Mermaid fan. I'm sorry. I know some of y'all discuss it, but what, is, what happens? The girl, she, she has a father who she rebels against from day one. She's like, look, I want to go and discover myself on dry land. I don't want to be under the water all the time. I don't care what this crab says or this lobster says about how great it is to be under the sea. I don't want that life. I want to go and find who I am. And then what happens? She goes and rebels the whole movie. And then at the end, her father apologizes to her. and and grants her her wish, even though she rebels the entire movie. All right, that might be too ancient for y'all, because that movie came out before most of you were born. Let's go with the more recent one. With Frozen. Now, before I say, before I just smash Frozen to pieces... I will conf they look I'm 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 a father, I have a beautiful young daughter, and, and I get it. I get it. You know, like I got hey, I'm I'm more passionate about frozen than any of y'all. Y'all don't know how much I listen to that. I listen to it way too much. Let it go. I know the word sadly. It's on a loop in my house. I got frozen everything in my house. I got frozen napkins. I got frozen towels. I got frozen toys. I got about six Elsa dolls in there. I got Frozen dresses. I got frozen everything. Like, it's just, I live frozen. It's, that's that's just my life. And look, if, hey, look, if you are looking to be a man and get married one day and you have a daughter, then brace yourself. Because that will be your fate, too. You can't escape it. It's just, gonna, it's just the way that it is. It's just the way that it is. But when it comes to Frozen, I mean, you see, you see it in the song. I think I have the lyrics up. I may have them. I may not. What does Elsa say? There we go, and and I know there's a few of you who are like, hold on, that's not the exact order of the song. I took a few lines out. I don't <laughs> want to sing the whole song. I <laughs> didn't. But what does she say? She says, "Let it go. Don't be the good girl they always want you uh, that you always have to be. Let it go. Don't hold it back anymore. I don't care what they're gonna say. Let the storm rage on. The cold never bothered me anyway." What? Dang. All right. Mm. That makes me want to sing it now. <laughs> Joke. But uh, what, what is that? That's expressive individualism. You have to look into your heart and see what's most important to you. And then you have to go and seek that. And when you discover that, it doesn't matter what anybody says. doesn't matter what the critics say. doesn't matter what your family says. doesn't matter what your friends say. You have to go and figure out who you are and discover yourself. And then when you do that, then you feel like you matter. Now, that's not like my favorite example. And, and don't worry, I'm not going to ruin any more of movies that y'all like. My favorite example is Chariots of Fire. Anybody see Chariots of Fire? Oh, okay, there's, there's a few hands. I'm surprised. All right. That movie came out. I think that movie came out before I was even born. It's an old movie about two runners. One runner, and it's a true story, about two Olympic runners. One runner ran because he genuinely enjoyed it, and he felt like it just, he just worshipped God when he did it. And if he won, he won. But he just happened to be amazing. And so he didn't lose. And he was so serious about it that he ended up, well, I'm I'm not going to say anything else. I want to ruin the movie. But there's another runner in the movie. In fact, I, sh- I should have a picture of it. Oh, there you go. The, the, the one who's crossing the line, he just always looks funny when he runs in the movie. I don't know why. He runs, like, he runs like it hurts. But the guy in the left, this guy, he was like me the way I played basketball, where that's why he felt like he mattered, Because of how good he was. In fact, he has a line in it that just, it's perfect. He said, when I run, this this is what my life is about. This was my purpose. And he said, I have 10 seconds to justify my existence when I run. 10 seconds to justify the reason for my existence. If I lose, why was I even born? He says this. It doesn't work out the best for him because he does end up winning, but he ends up pushing everyone that he loves out of his life. He ends up making the most important thing to him, him being successful. Now, there's a lot of things that I could say about why these, why these two different approaches to identity don't work, but the main two things I want to say, and I'm only going to say two regarding it. I could say a lot, but the main two things is one, First, when you approach identity this way, it's crushing. It is unbelievably crushing and suffocating for your life. That's one reason why it doesn't work, because with both, you have to achieve your identity. One, you do it through how you serve your family or the community. The other one is how you live up to your own expectations. You know the problem with discovering what you really want to be and and you letting it go and finding out what you really want? Once you figure that out, you have to live up to it. You have to perform. It's like, how many of y'all are like terrified when it comes to the next step in your life because you're here at WVU. It's not free to go here, but you have to get a major. Some of your friends know exactly what they want to do. They love their major. They love the the job prospects for their major are amazing, and so you can they can be super excited. But you, you're like, man, I don't even really like my major, and I'm supposed to leave and get a job with this major afterwards. And if you don't if you don't do well with that, what happens if you're a, if you're a guy? Will you have a job that has a nice title? Will you make a good amount of money? Will someone marry you even though you don't, you're, you're not excited about your job prospects? We, if you don't live up to that identity, if you don't live up to that future that you've set for yourself, how are you going to feel about yourself? How are you going to feel about yourself in the success and in the failures? Or if you're a girl, how many, how many times do we hear for girls that, look, who wants to be single when they're 35 or when they're 40? Why do you not want that? Because you don't feel like you can live by yourself? Or because what are people going to think? How are you going to exist in this culture, in this society where they put such an emphasis on The only way that you can matter in this life is as a mother or as a woman who's married and is seen as beautiful or is seen as this or that. I'm not saying that these things are like, I'm not saying that this is exactly how you feel. But what I'm saying is when your identity is based on something outside of yourself, you have to figure out a way to live up to that. If your identity is external, you achieving something. It's like that race with, with, this, with Chris. I could I never, I quit. I ended up quitting basketball because I hated it. By the end, I hated it because I needed it to make me feel like I mattered. And by the end, I was exhausted. I didn't even enjoy it anymore. It's cool because I was able, after I became a Christian, I was able to fall in love with basketball again. But it was, it was free after that. It was released from identity. My identity. And it was all of a sudden fun again. The second problem with identity, though, is when your identity is based on what, how you, if, if you can achieve it or not, it's exclusive. And this is the worst part about it to me. It's exclusive. It means that the only way that you can feel like good about yourself is if you perform better than others. And by performing better than others, you have to feel good. You have to feel like you are better than others. What do I mean? You see people where their identity is how smart they are, their grades, their academics. And so they feel like they are smarter than whatever group of people, and that's why they feel like they matter. Or you take it back to sports, or you take it back to your looks, or you take it back to how much money you have, or the family that you came from. In fact, identity is, in, to me, it's the reason why racism exists. It's because some people in this world can only feel good if they are looking down at another group of people. And I don't have like super negative feelings towards racists in the sense where, oh, how could they be so dumb? Because honestly, we all do it. If your identity isn't going to be in who God says you are, as Jesus showed us, then your identity has to be in who you say you are and who you say others aren't. You have to pick a group of people that you feel exclusive over. That's the reason that religion, the third thing, cannot be a legitimate identity either. And I hinted at it earlier when I mentioned Katie. And I said that it was because of how good she felt, because she wasn't doing bad things, that that's why she mattered. I'm not one of those people who goes to high street. Nah, nah. I'm not one of those people who goes and gets drunk. Nah, I'm not one of those people who's sleeping with their girlfriend all the time. Nah, I don't do that kind of stuff. I'm a Christian, bro. You have to look at some group of people and say, I'm not one of those people. This is why I matter. Man, this is like, this really spoke to me. I don't know if this is speaking to y'all, but man, it really spoke to me. I got like a bunch of stories to finish off. And so I hope y'all are in the mood for some stories. I like stories. I just, I just have a bunch of stories of people who got it right when it came to identity. One of those people was Moses. I should have the scripture up there. It's Numbers 11. Moses in the Bible, he was a head of a nation. He was leading a nation through the desert. And he was super stressed out because he's like, Lord, I can't lead all these people. And he literally comes to God and says, God, I need help. I need you to, I need you to get me some help. And then God's like, all right, I'm going to take my spirit that I've put in you to lead well, and I'm going to put it in your elders so that they can help you lead. And Moses is like, sweet. Oh, there we go. Let me make sure. There we go. And, and so that happens. And then it says, so Moses went out and told the people that the Lord said that he brought together 70 of the, 70 of the elders and had them stand out around the tent. And then the Lord came down in a cloud and spoke with him. And he took some of the power of the spirit that was on him and he put it on the 70 elders. When the spirit rested on them, they prophesied but did not do so again. However, two men whose names were Eldad and Medad. Those are funny names. (laughs) They remained in the camp. And they were listed among the elders, but they did not go out of the tent. Yet the spirit also rested on them, and they prophesied in the camp. And catch this. This is so cool. This is so cool. It says, a young man ran up and told Moses, hey, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, son of Nun, Moses number two. His, his number two guy, he said, who had been, with Mo, who had been Moses' aide since youth, spoke up and said, whoa, whoa, whoa Moses, Moses, stop them. What he means is stop them Moses what you're the prophesier that's your job you that's why that's why you matter you hey no one else should be prophesying that's your thing and then Moses says Moses replied are you jealous for my sake i wish that all the lord's people would were prophets and that the lord would put his spirit on on all of them that is like the perfect spirit the perfect attitude when it comes to your identity. This was the thing that Moses did better than everyone else. And Moses was like, man, it's my hope that everyone would be as good as me at this. I don't need to be seen as the best at this. I don't need to be seen as this is, this is Moses' thing. This is why he exists. My hope is that everyone, I'm smart. Hey, it's my hope that everyone would be as smart as me. I, I have a lot of money. It's my hope that everyone would have as much money as me. Some people think I'm a big deal. It's my hope that everyone would be as big of a deal as me. Has anybody ever heard of Madame Guyon? Madame Gayo? Her name is really Madame Guy, Gayo, but Guyon is like, that's how you can go look it up and read, read about it for yourself. You know, it's, you know, those French, you know, they got their Guyon, Guyon i wish i could speak french she was awesome she was beautiful she was born of an aristocratic family this is like 600 years ago in france and she was beautiful she was so beautiful that the queen of england came and visited her family and said whoa i want to go and take this girl back with me to england and her parents said no no she she really should stay here that's kind of weird but she was beautiful beautiful and some of y'all heard Sean the other day talk about this guy named St. Francis de Assisi. Well, a Franciscan monk, a monk of the line of St. Francis de Assisi, came and visited her house one day. And came to her and said, hey, have you ever really, have you heard about Jesus? Have you taken him seriously? And, he, and she was like, ah, oh, yeah, I'd known about Jesus but to her, she always struggled when it came to Jesus because she wanted to be a Christian, but she also really loved looking good and dressing nice. And she, it's not that these things were bad, but they meant everything to her. And she knew that she, she wasn't willing to let these things go, that she, she would rather them mean too much to her than her be a Christian. And basically, he, he just talked to her. And by the end of it, she became a Christian. She said, I want to put my faith in you, Jesus. So, why am I telling this story? Because fast forward a little bit later. After this happens, I mean soon after this happens, she gets smallpox. Smallpox, and it is, it's vicious. It devastates her. It makes her so much so physically different that one, she was almost unrecognizable as the same person, and two, no one would ever call her beautiful ever again. And she thanked God. For it, She thanked God for taking away her beauty. She, she saw it as not a curse, but as a great thing. Because when she gave her life to Jesus, her identity switched from it being about how beautiful she was to all of a sudden her being found important to God. In John chapter 6, I may have the verse up. In John chapter 6, Jesus is talking to a large group of people, and these group of people are asking this question about, Jesus, what are the works that God wants me to do? What does God want from me? And Jesus says, the work of God is to believe on the Son, Jesus Christ. That is the work of God. What does that have to do with Identity. Jesus is saying that if your identity is in you being a child of God, that, that's it. That's what it means to believe on him. It's me putting my faith in him and all of a sudden me saying, okay, it's not how good I am. It's not how well I perform. It's not how well I measure up to my own standards, or to the other rules that I know, it's me saying, Jesus, your standard and your view of me is now the most important thing to me. Now, for me, I've struggled with that because I've been like, oh, okay, that sounds cool. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Great. Believe on Jesus. Cool. Um, So now, hold on. That seems kind of abstract. How does that matter for me today? Like, how do I make that something where I can go and do something with it? I told you I had a lot of stories, so I got, I got another one. And this is my favorite story. And this is the story that makes this whole idea of identity and Jesus' role in my identity, it's the thing that completes it all. I got this story from Tim Keller, and Tim Keller's been one of my greatest teachers for identity. He just has. He's, just, he's blessed me so much. He talked about a time where he had a girl in his youth group at the church that he was at. And this girl was super depressed. She was 15 years old. And she and, and people asked her, hey, could you go and talk to so-and-so? And he's like, yeah, I can go talk to her. And so he talks to her, and he's like, hey, don't you know that you're a child of God? Don't you know that you're going to heaven? Don't you know that you matter to Jesus? And she's like, yeah, I know all this stuff. And he's like, then why are you so depressed? And she said, Well, what good does all that stuff mean if no boy will even talk to me? What does it mean? What does it mean that I'm a Christian when no boy will date me? Do you see what happened there? She was a Christian, and she knew that. And it's like she has a deck of cards. And in this deck of cards... In there is yeah her salvation and other things about her that she does really well, but at the top of the deck, the thing that made her feel valuable. That was whether she was dating someone or not. Who she was with made her feel like she was important. Jesus was in the deck, but he wasn't at the top of the deck. Has anyone ever seen the movie? Uh, was it Good Will Hunting? that's a great movie. Oh, great movie. Don't worry, I'm not going to I'm not going to talk bad about it. How could you talk bad about it? It's a perfect movie. But in Goodwill hunting, we have this amazing scene. It's a it's a scene in a bar. Ben Affleck, Will, the person who the movie's about, he's talking. Basically, Ben Affleck, his friend walks up. There we go. There we go. My boy is wicked smart. There we go. I'm not trying to going to do an uh, Boston accent. Forgive me. Sorry, but the guy right there with the poofy hair—that's Ben Affleck. Sorry for the lighting. But he was just talking to this girl on the left, and he's trying to. And they're in a Harvard bar, and he's trying to act like he's real smart. And then this Michael Bolton wannabe <laughs> walks up and is like, "Hey, is there a problem here?" And then the girl's like, no, there's no problem. Get out. He's like, oh, because I heard my friend over here talking about something from a class. And I didn't know if he was talking about this or this. And he's just trying to make Ben Affleck look stupid because everyone in the room knows that Ben Affleck is not a Harvard student. But Will, who just happens to be a genius, walks up and totally embarrasses the thor wannabe and then wh- right after he embarrasses him he says this hilarious line which i was going to play it but then there's some choice language in it so you know i couldn't play it for, for, for this setting but he says this amazing this he just he just embarrasses the dude and then he drops this card and he's just like look you just dropped 150k on education that you could have got at a public library well, the Thor wannabe (laughs) drops his card, and he's like, yeah, well, at least I'm going to have a degree, and you're going to be serving my kids, you know, fries at a drive-thru as we're on our way to a ski trip. That's him dropping his card. Oh, this is why I matter. And then Will is like, well, yeah, that may be true, but at least I won't be unoriginal, bum. And You know, later on, Will walks up to the guy, and he's like, hey, guess what? And the guy's like, what? And he's like, that's really how he talks. I'm not, that's how he talks. But then he shows the guy the number of the girl and says, hey, I got her number. How do you like them apples? Bam. He drops his last card. This is why I matter. I got her number. How many cards do we drop saying, this is why I matter in this world, but we don't hold up Jesus and his card as being the most important thing about us? Man. In Philippians 2, verses 5 through 9, it says right in the middle, right in the middle, it talks about Jesus, and I should have it up here. It says right in the middle that he became a man of no reputation in his time here on earth. He didn't come here. He's the son of God, and he didn't come here trying to prove to anybody who he was or who he wasn't. He knew he was the king. He knew he was the son of God. But he made himself as no reputation among men. What other cards really matter? The most important card is who Jesus is to me and what Jesus thinks about me. Is that the card that I'm gonna put at the top of the deck of my life? I can't do that for you. You have to get that inside of you, it has to become who you are and why. Why you justify the reason for your existence? Because I'm a child of God. Because he loves me. I don't need to prove anything to anyone. I can be successful and I can fail. And I can, I can talk about both gladly. Because that's not what defines me. You know, I have a really weird ending for tonight. The band can go back and come, back, come up. I'm, I'm done. I have a very weird ending. My ending is really just a prayer. Because this is something that's so deep that you can't just learn this and be like, oh, yeah, I'm set. This has to go into your imagination. It has to go into your dreams. It has to go into your fantasies. It has to become you. And the way that you make it you is through prayer. It's through worship. It's through constant reminding of yourself of who you are, who you want to who you want to be remembered as. Do I want to be remembered for an identity that I had to achieve, or do I want to be remembered for an identity that I received? Father God, my prayer for everyone tonight, Lord God, is that you would begin to take every person in this room on a journey. The journey where their identity comes from you where you were at the top of their deck, where the cards that they drop in a silly scene in a movie, the cards that they drop as to why they matter in this life would be cards that you gave them, cards based on what you said they were. Just as you told Jesus, Lord, just as you told him, Father, that, that you loved him, that he was recognized by you, that he was affirmed by you. Would you speak that to each and every one of us throughout the rest of this week, throughout the semester, throughout the rest of our lives so that that's what would matter most to us, not what we achieve, Lord, but what we can receive only from you. Help us, Lord God. Give us your identity for us not ones that we're trying to earn, Lord. Take away all superiority in our hearts. Take away all arrogance. Take away every desire that we have to be greater than others. And help us, Lord, so that the spirit that you gave to Madame Guyon, who was able to rejoice when she lost the thing that people knew her most for, would you let that spirit rest in us, Lord? Give us your spirit. Give us this power to live above the failures and the successes of this life and to be rooted in you. Only you can do this, Lord God. Help us to see this is valuable enough to seek this, to search for it, to not settle until your identity is what matters most to us. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.